The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 69th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And on today's episode, we're going to go to Springfield, Missouri, to the Landers Theater, Denise. Very cool. And this is sort of kind of a suggestion from our listener, Amy, and spectacular crew member. A sort of kind of? Yeah, because she wanted to hear about somewhere in Springfield. So she gave us the idea for Springfield, and she said, have at it. So we did. All right. This is a historic theater. We're looking forward to sharing the history and hauntings of that with you guys. But before we do that, we want you to check out our website, historyghostbump.com. Everything you could possibly want to know about the show, you can find there. Where to listen to the show, how to find us on social media, sign up for the newsletter, donate to the show, shop in the Emporium. Any of those things can be done there. And Denise, if anybody wants to send us some feedback, they can do that where? At historygoesbump at gmail.com. As a matter of fact, we got an email from Kat. She let us know that she really enjoyed the show, and she gave us some ideas for some places to check out in Lexington, Kentucky, Denise. No kidding, and I can't wait to go back to Kentucky. That was a cool trip, our little stopover in Louisville. So Exactly. Lexington is on the other side, so we'll have to make a big loop the next time we go up to Iowa. But I've really wanted to go to Lexington because there's a lot of great haunted locations there. Well, and I have Michigan on our itinerary someday, too. So Yeah. Just saying. And she also sent us some haunting experiences for the Halloween special. Woohoo! Our Halloween special is going to rock. Yeah, we've got several stories now, and we're going to have a couple people who are going to tell us their stories for themselves. We do still need some more of those if you guys want to do that. The email that Denise gave you earlier is where you can send those to. Just let us know if you'd like to tell it yourself. You're more than welcome to do that, or we can read it for you, whichever you prefer. We want to welcome Amber to the Spooktacular crew. Welcome, Amber. And Denise, we got two more reviews over at iTunes. Okay, well, why don't you tell us what they say, Diane? All right, we've got a four-star review. This is from Shooter Superhero, I think is what that's supposed to spell. Potential to be great. I love the combination of history and haunting and listen to the show all the time, but I do have some issues. There's a lot of chatting, and I find myself fast-forwarding a lot to get to the stories. Sometimes almost half of the podcast is just the host chatting. I think more discussion of the story and more relatable conversations could make it much better. Sometimes it feels like they just talk and then read an essay about it and the show is over. Still love the show, but just thought I would offer some constructive criticism. Well, it's a fair opinion to have there, Denise. One of the things that we want to point out is that the History Goes Bump podcast was never meant to be one of those NPR Just the Facts podcasts. Just the facts. 
Just the facts, Jack. (laughs) Personally, we feel that our banter and connection to our listeners is the heart of the show, which is maybe what the chatting is, because I'm not quite sure what chatting is. We don't like sit here and shoot the breeze about what we did today. How are you feeling today or the weather? I mean, we usually don't get into a whole lot of that stuff. That to me is like chatting. I I don't know what that means. So for us, that's not going to change because we definitely like to connect to our listeners. But History Goes Bump does offer a podcast that has just intro music. It has content without commentary and outro music. And that is our Haunted True Crime podcast. And that is our thanks that we send out to people who are monetarily helping the show, $5 or more a month. That's what that is. That is strictly content with no commentary or any other thing there. So we do offer that if that's what people are looking for. And I've always felt, Denise, that our show is structured in such a way that if you fast forward to the music for the moment oddity, then you don't have to listen to the whatever you might think is the chit chat. And our other review is a five-star review from Moonstalker24. This is somebody who's stalking the moon. Hmm. I love this podcast. It's interesting with great stories that are well-researched and well-told. There is great humor to the telling that lightens the mood and keeps you interested. Entertaining enough to go back and listen to older episodes again. Lots of fun tidbits and oddities to learn. Diane and Denise are wonderfully entertaining and hilarious. I actually just recently went on my very first ghost tour. Yay for ghost tours. How awesome. Because of this podcast. Oh, really? We encouraged somebody? That's <laughs> Great. even cooler. And had a blast. I especially love the Bisbee episode because Arizona is my state and I've been to Bisbee. Hints and nudges for the ladies to revisit Arizona and maybe do a show on Jerome, Arizona. It's called The Wickedest Town in the West for a reason. Oh, mm-hmm. wickedest, not just most haunted. Keep up the awesome job. I'll definitely be tuning in. Well, they'll be excited because the next podcast after this one is Haunted Tombstone. So we are going to Arizona again. Yes, we are. It'll be exciting. We are going to have author and medium Janice Carlson joining us on that one. So that's going to be great. Also, just a quick reminder, we are doing a meetup. On October 11th at 7.30 p.m. at the St. Augustine Lighthouse here in Florida. We do have all the information up on our events page on the website. And, Denise, we have six people so far. Yep, that is including us, but six people will be meeting up. And just a reminder, this is the year 2015, just in case you're listening in archives, and it's like 2020 or something. That is correct. I'm sorry, I keep forgetting to say the date. October 11th, 2015. I keep you honest. All right, are you ready to go to the Landers Theater? I certainly am. All right. Become an executive producer of the History Goes Bump podcast for as little as a buck a month. For $5 a month, you can access exclusive content like the Haunted True Crime bonus cast. And for $10 and above a month, you get all that plus awesome History Goes Bump gear. Check out patreon.com slash history goes bump for more information. Or you can give us a one-time donation by clicking the donate button at historygoesbump.com. Outside Kaluni Sligo, Ireland, a 215-year-old beech tree was shaken from its foundations by a violent storm. The massive tree was actually toppled in the storm. Typically, when such an event occurs, people call a tree care company to come in and clean up the tree. In this case, archaeologists were called. The reason why? A skeleton was buried within the roots of the tree. The lower legs were still in the ground, but the roots pulled the upper skeleton into the air. 
The archaeologists found that the skeleton belonged to a young man around 20 years of age and that he died between 1030 to 1200 AD. And his death was not from natural causes. It was violent. Knife wounds were found to the bones of the hands and the ribs. His body was not just left where he was found. It was actually buried in the spot as a formal Christian burial. We'll never know who this young man was, but the fact that his skeleton was revealed to the world because a tree blew over certainly is odd. Are you afraid of the dark? That's just silly. What you should be afraid of is the thing that watches you sleep. (laughs) This day in history. On this day, September 17th in 1849, Harriet Tubman escaped slavery for the first time along with two of her brothers. Her brothers decided to return to the plantation and she returned with them, but three months later she escaped again and this time for good. She was born into slavery in the state of Maryland. She and her family suffered brutal physical beatings, and she carried the scars and permanent physical injuries the rest of her life. Harriet did not just escape to the North and stay there. She became an active abolitionist and returned to the South using the Underground Railroad and helped up to 300 other slaves escape their bonds over an eight-year period. She became a mentor for John Brown, and while she was not thrilled with his use of violence, she did praise him as a martyr when he was killed at Harper's Ferry. At the start of the Civil War, the Union Army employed her to help free hundreds of slaves during the Combahee River Raid. Harriet became a leader in the Civil Rights Movement and was a huge proponent of women's suffrage. She died in 1913 from pneumonia. She was buried with military honors at Fort Hill Cemetery. History Goes Bump Podcast. What is it about theaters that causes them to so often have tales of haunting experiences? Is it the emotions that are displayed on the stage and evoked in the audience? Are they just more prone to accidents and death? Landers Theater in Springfield, Missouri is one such theater. The theater has stood for decades and seen much history. Famous performers took to the stage, including Lillian Russell and Lon Chaney. When motion pictures became the thing, the theater adapted. But there's more than just a rich history to this place. Something else seems to have carried over through the decades. Spirit activity is reportedly high inside the elegant theater. Come with us as we explore the history and the hauntings of the Landers Theater. The state of Missouri became a part of the United States initially through the Louisiana Purchase of 1803. For many years, it was just a territory, but in 1821, Missouri officially became a state. The area that is today the city of Springfield was originally populated by the Kickapoo Native American tribe. John Polk Campbell was born in 1823 in Tennessee. Campbell moved to Missouri and settled in a very large county that included most of southern Missouri. That county had been established in 1833. Campbell made a push for the county to be named Green after American Revolutionary General Nathaniel Green. He then founded what would become the city of Springfield in 1829. In 1838, the city was incorporated. 
You want to hear a fun fact about General Nathaniel Green? Absolutely. His family was Quaker. Oh, wow. So apparently he didn't follow the religious beliefs that his family had instilled in him because they're pacifists. So kind of interesting that he was not only served, but he became a general and was a very accomplished American Revolutionary general. Enough that this guy wanted to name the county after him. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The old wire road travels through Springfield, and it was on this road that the Cherokee passed through while on the Trail of Tears. The road was named Wire Road because it was along this route that the first telegraph line in the area was built. The road was an integral part of the Civil War, and portions of it still exist today. It was after the war that Springfield became a part of the Wild West. The town square had its first shootout in 1865. The man who won the gunfight and became nationally known was Wild Bill Hickok. Springfield is also where the birth of Route 66 occurred. Traces of that famous route are still part of Springfield. In 1891, the Baldwin Theater was built. The Baldwin Theater was named for a man who owned a stove factory in town and pushed for the building of the theater in the city. It was a rival to the already flourishing Grand Theater. That theater burned down in 1895. The Baldwin would suffer the same fate in 1909 when a fire started in the boiler room and spread quickly. The town needed a new theater and plans for the building of Landers Theater were begun. The Bowler Brothers architectural firm designed the Landers. Their specialty was designing movie palaces, and they just happened to be from Missouri. Well, how convenient is that? Indeed. The theater was built by John and D.J. Landers in R.W. Seward in 1909 at a cost of $100,000. Don't you wish you could build a theater for hundred grand? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You can't even build a bungalow now. No. The style was that of the neoclassical found in France. This style is influenced by ancient Greece, and the French movement was expressed in what they called the Louis XVI style. The theater was framed in wood, and it's thought that the reason for this was because one of the builders owned a lumber company. Hmm, getting a little few kickbacks for himself there. Exactly. <laughs> Missouri limestone. There's our limestone. Piers were installed in the front of the building, and the coins, cornices, cartouches, and parapet were made from terracotta. And I do apologize for any mispronunciation of those words. The rest of the structure is made from brick. And I know how to say that. (laughs) Brick is a little bit easier than uh, cornices and cartouches. Or A large stage was built so that live performances could be run at the theater. The design around the stage was ornate and electric lights were installed. Plush seats made theater goers comfortable. And the first production they would watch would be The Golden Girl starring Lillian Russell. It debuted on September 18, 1909, and the Missouri Republican wrote of the event, quote, Under the tempered glow and radiance of 2,000 electric lights which shed their beams rivaling the brilliance of a midday sun and ocean mist or the witching haze of a dreamy Indian Ozark summer, the devotees of fashion and pleasure and of material progress met and mingled last night at the opening of the Lander Cedar, a commodious and beautiful temple of amusement the perfect appointments of which brought a flush of admiration and of pride to the cheek and a gleam of pleasure to the eye of those who greeted the golden girl and witnessed the initial offering of the playhouse which came to Springfield 
as a heritage of fire, end quote. That almost reminds me of being in a literary class and not understanding a word of what they were saying. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'm just thinking of movie reviews that get written up in newspapers nowadays. Mm-hmm. The writing back then was quite different. And, and very elegant. Yes. That's why I say it reminds me of being in a literary class where they use all these fancy flowy words <laughs> and you're like, what did they just say? But you know, it is a beautiful picture of what that first night must have been like in the glow of all those electric lights, which were not commonplace in a lot of areas is at that time and exactly and the golden girl it it made me think of the golden girls but i think that's probably quite different oh that wasn't the one that debuted (laughs) (laughs) just kidding landers was part of the orpheum circuit of theaters this was a chain of movie and vaudeville theaters the orpheum circuit later became part of the rko corporation the o in that stands for orpheum Famous performers other than Lillian Russell that took to the stage were John Philip Sousa, George Cohan, and Lon Chaney. Chaney was the man of a thousand faces and performed in Phantom of the Opera and Hunchback of Notre Dame. The Birth of a Nation debuted in 1915 and was shown in the theater. It was a silent movie and the first 12-reel film in America. The movie has been controversial as it was used to recruit members of the KKK, and it is considered to be racist. Nevertheless, this was the beginning of Landers Theater being used as a movie theater. And obviously, since I'm a huge fan of Universal monster movies, I am a fan of Lon Chaney. And it was amazing what he could do with himself. He did his own makeup, and he would be completely transformed. I mean, him performing as the Phantom of the Opera, he was hideous. You want to hear a fun fact about Lon Chaney? Absolutely. He was born in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Ah, that's cool. So he's a Coloradan. Very nice. Ah. The other thing is The Birth of a Nation. It made this quite the racist movie. You would think you could have some black people star in the movie as actors. And that time I doubt it very highly. So guess what they did instead? Basically painted them. Yep. It was done in blackface. So I think everybody, even young people who may not be as aware of that kind of history, there's been a lot of recent events that have happened where people, you know, a comedian thinks they're going to be funny and they do blackface and they come under fire. That is just, it is a no-no. You just don't do that. And one of the reasons why is based on this movie. And it was a big deal at the time because it was, wow, a silent movie and it's a big deal. And But yeah, not a good way to start. Well, and it is so amazing back in the, the day how prejudiced it was, whether you be a woman, a person of color, because even back in the day, most of the Native Americans were portrayed by white people as well. They thought if they put a braid on a pretty white girl, she looked like an Indian or something. I, it was just kind of funny. I believe it's John Wayne movie, The Searchers. Is that what it's called? I think so. And Natalie Wood is an, an Indian in that. <laughs> You're like, uh-huh. Well, I mean, in a lot of the white white guys played braves and stuff it's like why not get native americans to play native americans and get exactly like get get black people to play their ancestors in 1920 the theater suffered a fire a boiler had exploded i tell you those boilers were dangerous things almost every fire that was back in this time was because a boiler exploded there were coal bins under the stage and they soon caught fire every fire truck in town came to the scene to prevent the entire block from being engulfed Fireproofing precautions taken inside the theater, like the hanging of an asbestos curtain, helped to keep the fire contained and kept the theater from being a total loss. 
that helped everybody in there to have cancer down the road. I know. Can you imagine hanging a curtain of asbestos? I wonder what that did do. Have it contained. (laughs) It's just like, let's just hang it right out there. Within five months, the Landers was rebuilt and reopened. In 1928, talkies came to the theater. This made Landers the 35th facility in the world to play talking motion pictures. The stage was still used, though, and in 1961, NBC TV began broadcasting the five-star Jubilee from the theater. Movies continued to run at Landers through to 1970. In 1970, the Springfield Little Theater Organization bought Landers Theater. They began the effort to restore the theater to its 1909 grandeur. The 527 seats have been restored along with the Baroque Renaissance Napoleon-style decoration. The building was placed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1977. Springfield Little Theater stages around nine productions a year. Other musical performances are staged here as well. Around 60,000 people watch the productions each year. But there are rumors that something other than just the living are watching these performances. As is the case with so many old theaters around the world, Landers Theater is rumored to be haunted. Spotlights are suddenly unplugged. People feel a tap on their shoulder when no one is there. Performers claim that during rehearsals and also during live performances, they see a shadowy apparition watching them from the upper balcony. The 1920 fire did more than just damage the theater. It took the life of the theater's janitor. Some believe that he is the shadowy figure seen in the balcony. You know what's interesting about that, Diane, is many of the times, whether we've researched a theater on the podcast or we've been to one on a haunted tour, it always seems like there's somebody in the balcony that's keeping an eye out, whether it's a former actor, here a janitor, but that is not an uncommon apparition or haunting of a theater. Which would tell me that if you see a figure in the balcony, it's probably not residual because what would be the best seat in the house? Right up there where you can see everything. Exactly. I mean, most people don't consider the best seat in the house to be the balcony, the, you know, front row center. Oh, that's just you and me. We're like, <laughs> but yes, I balcony. Like, yeah, I like balcony because I can see down. I like to look down on stuff, I guess. So The balcony also plays home to a residual haunting of a baby. Apparently, a worse mother's fear came true one night in the theater. A woman holding her baby on the balcony accidentally dropped the baby. The same visual of the baby falling from the balcony haunts the actors on stage at times. Performers also claim to hear the disembodied cries of a baby and occasionally the murmuring words of comfort from a female ghost. The costume room is on the fourth floor. It has a window. A male apparition has been seen in the window several times with long blonde hair. He apparently wears Elizabethan clothing, which makes us wonder if he is in costume. The interesting piece to these sightings is that this ghost has never been seen inside of the theater. He's only seen from the outside. I don't think we've heard anything like that before. Uh, He has long blonde hair. Kind of makes you wonder if he was really a male actor. I don't know, because I'm trying to think of Elizabethan. Men kind of had longer hair then, so it could have been a wig. It could have been a wig, or it could have also been a female posing as a male actor, as they did so often in the past. That could be, too. On another occasion, a director saw a man standing in the building and he struck up a conversation. The man said nothing and walked towards a pillar and never crossed back into sight. He just disappeared. The director said the man had a beard and long hair and stood about six feet tall. A despondent stagehand hanged himself from the rafters and stayed there through three performances before anyone noticed him. It is believed that he still walks about on the catwalks. 
And some kids were playing with a Ouija board once. There's a rumor about that and that they got the name Ned. So we've got a lot of males here. So I'm not sure who they were talking to or if it was some other spirit or what have you. But lots of different males walking around this place. I mean, I guess I don't look up, up all the time, but three performances before they noticed a dead person <laughs> hanging above them. You would think somebody, because the catwalks, you're generally, you're kind of going back and forth on them during the performance. Sometimes you're rigging things or pulling things up or nobody noticed, but yeah. that might be why he hung himself and why he was despondent because nobody cared. That could be. So you got all these apparitions and then there is the green orb and the black void. Those these, sound very ominous. <laughs> these are just plain creepy. The green orb has been seen near the west stairs and near the balconies. It glows green, of course, and measures about five feet tall, making you wonder if it's a human apparition. That's the way it's trying to yeah, probably materialize. Not yeah, but probably not dust. And five feet tall is not really tall, so I don't know. The black void is just that, a darkness that envelops the area it is in and has been seen in many parts of the theater. People can tell that it is present because they suddenly can't see through to something behind the void, like a brick wall. There'll be a black patch in front of the wall that appears to have no bricks. That would, so, that one would creep me out more than the orb. Yeah, this is some kind of, you know, one of these shadow people, shadow figures or something. And anytime I've heard people describe a shadow figure that they actually can see, because a lot of people see shadow figures out of the corner of their eyes, when they look on a shadow figure... They'll say, and I think we've talked about this on other podcasts, that the room might be dark that they're in. But, you know, any room, you're going to have a little bit of light, usually unless you've got the black curtains or black shade. You're going to get some street lights or stars, moon, something, or just the clock radio. Something's going to project some kind of light in the room. And so it's dark, but they can tell that there's just that area that's that much darker, that it's just so black. It's like there's nothing there. And that's what this is. And that is incredibly freaky because it's like, what can drown out Everything. light completely? Yeah. Landers Theater is one of the few original theaters still dotting the landscapes of America. As seems to be the tradition of these grand old places, tales of unexplained activity are reported. Do the ghosts of former actors and workers continue to hang around the stage? Are the noises that are heard just the sounds of an old building settling? Is Landers Theater haunted? That is is for you to decide. Well, if we ever go visit our cousin Jacob, we'll have to say, hey guys, we need to go down to that Lander Cedar. And Amy, go check it out. It looks like a pretty cool building from the outside. Yeah, Amy, go check it out and post some pictures for us. How far is, is the Lander Cedar from Lake of the Ozarks, I wonder? I don't know. Springfield's down in the Lake of the Ozarks area, so. Yeah, because we have plans someday to go camping there, so who knows? Someday. Well, on our next show, we're going to tombstone out to the old west we got to go to the wild west on this one i had no idea that wild bill hickok had anything to do with springfield i didn't either first gunfight there he was part of it so we're looking forward to bringing that to you we're glad you joined us for this one i've been your host diane and this has been denise you take care now bye bye executive producers of the show have been Amy Connor, Heather Williams, David and Ann Student, Leanna Sapien, Jade Lewis, Stephen Pappas, Patty Hunt, Janice Carlson, Dan Foytick, Rachel Cooper, and Levi Drescher. Thank you. Want to keep the spooks away? Give us a review.